Thank you for joining us for Geezers of Gear, episode 59, brought to you live from the Martin booth on the LDI trade show floor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Martin Professional. For over 30 years, Martin has been revolutionizing the lighting industry by listening to customers, understanding their needs, and responding with products that not only meet those needs, but exceed their expectations. This year, Martin have taken huge steps forward with a whole new range of ERA fixtures, creative elements such as VDO Dot, the Pixel Mappable Mac Allure moving fixture, and P3 technology to deliver incredible integrated light shows. Seeing is believing though, so if you're at LDI, I encourage you to visit Martin in their demo room, N253, and see for yourself. So here we are, episode 59, Geezers of Gear, and we had a bit of a technical glitch at the beginning of this episode, so we did miss about 10 or 15 seconds where we introduced Jeff Ravitz and also Tiffany Keys. And so we will catch up with them right now in the middle of a conversation. We sponsored these master classes and we did a concert master class series and a television master class series, and it's all based pretty much on live for broadcast okay. shows that have an audience but they're being shot for TV okay yeah so um, I mean that's again exactly what we're here to do or what we're here to talk about today so I mean I always knew you first and foremost as a um, a touring designer you know working with Bruce and sticks right. and all the great bands that you've worked with over time and so I mean, let's assume that our listeners don't know a heck of a lot about this topic. Mm -hmm. And um, tell me first and foremost, like, what really is the major difference when you're, like, if I'm lighting, you know, Bruce Springsteen uh, just at, you know, whatever venue, Madison Square Garden, uh, or I'm lighting him at Madison Square Garden and it's being televised for an HBO special. Mm -hmm. What is the biggest difference? Well, you know, you would think that you would just shoot the show as it is and it would just be fine. You know, right. unlike image magnification. Let's just transmit what the people in the uh, venue are seeing yeah. out to the displays and the TV sets around the world. No, the problem is that the camera just sees things a lot differently than the human eye does. Right. It's a lot more limited, even with the sophisticated equipment today. And that's A. B is that the one thing that you don't have in a live show is that extreme close-up. Everybody in the arena, everybody at home, watching their TV or their computer screen is in the front row or they're actually standing on stage nose to nose with the performer. So you see things that you would not see. Right. And things that look exciting and dramatic and theatrical when you're 20 feet or 200 feet away look distorted and unpleasing. Yeah when yeah. you're that close. Right. So you make those modifications. Color that seems all right from a distance suddenly seems garish. Angles seem very unflattering and, and it's distracting even though you think, ah, well it works for the stage show, why doesn't it work for the television show? It just takes away from the, the telling of the story. Right, yeah, and the other thing that I've heard a lot recently is that um, so much live music is being consumed via a screen that's about four or five inches in diameter or in uh, diagonal, um, a, an iPhone or a, a Samsung Galaxy or whatever, right. and um, on YouTube. And so I know that there are some bands and, and designers who are starting to think about that. The fact that, you know, yeah, we have 10,000 people here watching it, but it's going to get 20 million views on YouTube and we have to make a decision. We, you know, do we want it to look really great on YouTube or do we want it to look really great for the 10,000 or 15,000 people here watching it? So are you ever thinking about 
the fact that many of these videos are going to play on a, on a, on a phone? A absolutely. And I'm sure that it's the same thing that you know, audio people think about when something is going to be you know, played on, uh, on a phone speaker yeah. versus you know, a big hi-fi system at home. Right. Um, yes, think about that all the time. And, you know, your eye kind of adapts to the phone. So you're seeing things even on that little screen when you're putting it right up to your face that you're seeing on a big screen. And in some cases, the resolution is amazing, as we know. The, right. You know, those phone screens and iPad screens are really getting good. So what we're thinking about is the fact that every show is going to be seen on YouTube, whether it's been done professionally or not. And it comes down to the question of, can something be made to look good for the live audience and work for them and also work for TV? And I guess, you know, my answer and what I stand on my platform is that, yes, you can do that. You can make it look clean for the camera and the viewing audience, and you can make it still look exciting, theatrical, and dramatic inside the arena. But is there always a compromise? There is a compromise. Um, some of the tricky cues that you might do with 47 Sharpies coming down on one person and right. nothing on anybody else just can't be done that way. And sometimes you just do have to make some accommodations to that. Does the live audience know? Uh, that's a question we could debate for right. ever. Right. Well, and I know sometimes you're lighting the audience. Uh, you know, and, and uh, I know that whenever I had touring rigs that I had supported or sold or whatever, and they were going out and something was going to be filmed, they would add a whole bunch of white light for the audience or some, sometimes effects or whatever for the audience. And that's obviously for those big looks that are going out. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you want to see the reaction. You want to see the enormity and the scale of the venue. Right. Uh, but also what happens uh, is that if a show isn't really adapted for TV, the levels on stage are very bright, meaning that you have to light the audience that much brighter for them to read on camera in any workable way. Right. So when you adapt a show, that a live show that's going to be shot for TV, you take the levels down and you just don't do four follow spots on one person and one on everybody else right, because the camera just gets confused. Right. And so, um, you know, again, we also have uh, Tiffany Keys here and uh, with the cool uh, first last name Spicer <laughs> so Tiffany Spicer keys and so Tiffany I mean so far obviously you agree with everything that yeah Jeff I mean he's he's the forefront of that industry of doing the transition from concert into television right and I mean everything he's saying is is something that we face on a daily basis in television uh, I do a, a concert to TV broadcast with iHeartRadio Music Festival, and we get these 22 artists over the course of two days, and we're adapting their current, either their current road trip or their current concert, or just them doing a festival show that they bring in, and we're adapting it to television, which yeah. is also very hard for these guys who've been on the road for the last year or a couple months, and they come in with their rig or their idea of what their um, their uh, artistic creative is and we're like okay no we need to do this with the key lights we need to bring these levels down you know we don't want to see the audience we really want to see the um performer but the performer is not used to to not seeing the audience right so of course. Used, yeah or they're used to seeing the audience and so it's this um delicate balance this whole different um vibe that you do with television so are you adding lights at that point so are, are you typically adding additional key lights additional fixtures to enhance the the artist and the shot that, that's being taken well for iHeartRadio, we do um design this unique uh hybrid of a show between uh lights for television and lights for an actual concert okay. so it, it it becomes of more of a glam look for that wide shot but we are keyed for a specific for that artist so we do have only four follow spots, but then we have strong backlights for the band, and then we have strong side lights for the um, dancers. Right. So, but also with 22 artists, you you can get anyone from a whole band up there to an individual artist. So right. it is a very flexible also system. So one of the things I was going to ask you, and I'm sure Jeff, you probably have experiences as as well, but for one artist. I think there's a certain set of challenges and problems and et cetera. But when you've got 22 artists, mm -hmm. how much say so does each individual designer have as to what their final look and, and their cues and their, you know, color and their whatever 
is versus the overall uh, designer for te for yep. the televised event. Well, it all comes down to the the producer and the network that's sitting in the truck and of what course. they like to see and what they don't like to see. And you know, if you have a pyro shot that you know has all this haze, and all of a sudden they don't want haze, you know, it's, it's this whole delicate balance of you know, what the producer wants to see, what they don't want to see. They might want to see the audience on this one look and they might not want to see. So we're programming and designing around that with inhibits and we're flying on the fly and we're constantly looking at all these shots and what they like to take. Yeah. Um, we have a certain artist that doesn't like any backlight on them. Hmm. And it, it becomes this huge challenge because for television, you want that strong backlight. You want to silhouette them. You want them to be the highlight of that, of that moment in, in that shot. Well, and I just want to let you know, out. when you're lighting me, like, oh, yes. I, I don't mind backlight, but it's the front that I'm a little worried about. You're going to need some nice, soft, filled <laughs> yeah, light. It's, uh, my front is much worse than my back. Just take the level down, down the a little front. bit. Right. He heavy yeah. diffusion. Yeah. And a, a very hard thing with a live television is that you're taking live shots. You've never rehearsed, and especially for this uh, particular festival that is broadcasted. Um, we don't get the talent during sound check. Yeah. The first time we see talent is when we're shooting. Yeah. So you you don't know if they're going to, um, this year we had an artist that ran into the house and stood on the camera platform railing. How do you like that? How do you adapt to that? You're quickly changing your look, your key lighting levels, and you have you know camera guys running around capturing this moment but you know what right. that's live television that so was never planned like, for you don't have oh, something in that position no, no no it's not planned for at all so you're constantly like okay what can we grab what can we put over here all right spots d dial down okay wide open then you don't know what's going to happen right but yeah it's also very thrilling i think that's why we all love live television so now on iheart do you have a budget for specialty lights for each of those acts so that you're rolling things in and those lds think that they are creating a whole show just for themselves with iHeartRadio, we do have a turntable. So we have an A, a side, B side. So you get a good 30 minutes to roll in whatever you want to bring. And uh, we are specifically budgeted for uh, a few dollars here and there for specific artists. And if they're a main headliner, they get a certain dollar amount. Or if they have it already on their tour, we'll provide that infrastructure. And it's a, a conversation that we have months out in advance once we, they announce the lineup. And uh, we try to facilitate that and uh, implement it into our show as much as we can. You know, often for, uh, for you know, concert and music television, just a few lights are really lighting the talent and everything else is just creating a composition and filling in the holes and working with the music and accenting it. Right. And it's all about the background. It also, it, it's all about what that shot is. What that, I mean, we're in a business of creating pretty pictures. Yeah. And especially with the rise of social media, it's all about what that that shot is, what that clip is, what is going to grab the, um, the viewer's attention, the fan's attention. But going back to my, my, my original question, mm -hmm. so, you know, each of these 22 artists has a, a lighting designer, presumably, who has a bit of an ego mm -hmm. and wants, you know, I want the same thing that they've got or a little bit more and, you know, we're a bigger band, so we want this and mm -hmm. we don't want them to be able to use our clay packy fixtures mm -hmm. and... You know, so how does that all work? Like, how do, how do you manage the egos and give everybody what they want, just but the you get you what you want? It. Yeah, just the way you would expect how we um, deal with delicate political balances. Uh, you have your you have the show's designer sitting in the truck with the producers and the network who right. are looking at what's being shot, and then as the designer or as the programmer who worked the last uh, you know two hours in previs the night before putting the show together for them, you have their LD standing next to you with the band or the manager texting them, like, why is this not this color? Why is this not that color? So you are in this interesting balance of uh, they wanted this, they want that, and you just have to listen to who's paying the money. So when you're running a show, I mean, obviously you have your own monitor there, so you're right. seeing what the live shot is. Mm -hmm. But they're also calling live feedback from the truck going, hey, enhance this, do this, cut this, mm -hmm. right? Is that pretty much how that that works right? yes yes it's it's all live and they're expecting it instantly right yeah yeah and and it's just coming uh to the table with the experience of what to expect and have it already there and ready to build like you don't know if someone's going to come off stage right so your spot ops are ready for someone to run on stage right you know because they might cut to that shot so it, it's just um or kanye west might run on stage and say you he, don't deserve this award he pops exactly. up <laughs> that's right you know? that could happen and he should be lit well when he's doing oh of course oh, yeah. yeah you want and him to see kanye doing and that. then adjusting the key levels to whoever's coming up on stage because right. you you uh learn very quickly that not everyone has the same skin color 
or tone of right. the person that they're standing next to. And it what always, was what yeah. was the one show where the guy climbed into the rig? And was like hanging from the rig or something. It was like one of the guys from the Foo Fighters or something. Well, I don't Jack, remember. Jack Black did it in the, in the Rush show, remember? No, but it was at an award show. This was, was just a few years ago. Yeah. And oh, yes. I, was it, or was it, it was uh, Tommy Lee where his uh, drum kit was up there and he got stuck up there? Oh, for I remember that, that one, too. Yeah, that's a different different. one. No, this was they were giving an award and all Oscar. of a sudden somebody was like hanging upside down on in, the proscenium. Yeah. 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 And you, it's just you got to prepare for that. And then oh my here's God, also the question is like, do you light it or do you not light it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, of course, you're going to yeah. light it. They're yes. going to take the well, shot. Light it. I don't know. Is he dressed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is so, he clothed? So I just want to know before we exit the Kanye conversation, is, is there the Kanye Q? So we're basically, <laughs> it's just like it's a red button on the yeah. console and you push it, right? It's in every show, I think, it, right? It is in every show. It's, yeah. easy, it's either called the hand grenade or the Kanye West cue. It's yeah. everything up, full stage wash, go. Well, or there there was the Janet Jackson uh, wardrobe malfunction cue. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to have that mm -hmm. one ready. Mm -hmm. Yes. That, that was, I, I don't know if it still stands, but I remember at the time, it was the most rewound TiVo uh, moment ever in in television history Truly. at that point, and it was lit so well, and it was Very lit well. so well. And I'm you sure know. Bob Barnhart will have a, a he'll have some say about, about that. that. I, I want to ask that him when he drops by. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff, have you ever done? I'm sure you've done lots of multi act, uh, like we're talking about the iHeart thing. Yes, yes, many. And so, are you really diplomatic, or do you just kind of put your foot down and say, no, this is how we're doing it? Well, look, uh, I. I there was a time in history when the LDs would come in and they would like to say, okay, uh, which console am I running? And you would have to have a conversation about that because you could not allow them to do it. Yeah, you the can't times, have 22 consoles at front of house. Well, or you can't let them just suddenly take over, which is what they think they're doing. Yeah. Um, we're talking about a television show, not necessarily Coachella or something where everybody brings their own console and right. run their own show. We're talking about a show with one light plot and you're trying to keep a standard. Yeah. So yes, you have to get into the diplomacy of all of that and then say, look, uh, I don't have a show that brings in an entire extra floor package for every act. We focus the key lights for every act that comes in. Some have LDs and some don't. The ones that do, Yes, tell me what the feel of your show is, but no, we're not doing things that you might do in your yeah. live show. We're going to get the essence of it. So let me know, yeah. and we'll, we'll translate that. No, you're not going to be running your own console. You're going to be speaking to our programmer, and you're going to be telling us when the accents come. Right. You want to wave your hands when it happens? That's fine. Right. You have to communicate. Well, this I is about because they're n not necessarily classically uh, uh, skilled at communicating because yeah. they just do it themselves. It goes from their brain to their fingers, and right. now they have to tell somebody else how to do it. Well, a little off topic, but we interviewed Doc McGee on our on our show a, a few months back, and because the Motley Crue Dirt movie had come out by then, and there was this whole version of how Doc was fired from the band, and it had something to do with. Uh, um, him bringing Nikki Six's mother to the show, and Nikki freaked out and fired him, and it's complete nonsense. So we asked Doc what the truth was, and it was that show for Peace in Moscow that happened like 30 years ago or whatever, right after the Cold War, when they had all these metal bands that flew to Moscow and did this big concert. And so Doc was managing Motley Crue and Bon Jovi, and everyone was told no pyro. And so Bon Jovi used pyro, and Motley Crue fired uh, Doc Talk McGee for that pyro. reason. <laughs> and I mean, it got into a very heated argument and it was FU, no FU, no FU, and you're fired. So um, that was the true story behind the whole thing, which is interesting. By the way, speaking of Motley Crue, way off topic, how do you guys feel about the contract that they've broken and now they're going out on tour again? Uh, right. I'm sure you have huge feelings about this, well, Jeff. You know, to tell you the truth, it's been a crazy couple of weeks, so I've seen some of the headlines, but yeah. I have not really dug into the, the details. Yeah. Um, sounds... Uh, Tiffany, you look like a big Motley Crue fan. Whatever sells tickets. Yeah. It, it is funny, they have though, a that career. Money, money talks, bullshit walks, right? And sometimes con contracts get involved in that or whatever, but it was just funny how they went out and did this whole contract that, you know, we will never tour again, blah, blah, blah. And now they're touring again. So They do. It's good for them. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, they've done it for so long. Does. How can you walk away from well, something like that? Well, especially when somebody goes, hey, look, here's a bunch of money. Right. Well, so. look, look at what Ozzy Osbourne uh, is doing. He's doing the No More Tours Tour 
two. <laughs> right, right. So, How many yeah. farewells has Cher done? Yeah, who? absolutely. We'll see about Kiss. Yeah. We'll see about Elton John. He's doing his farewell tour. I'm like, yeah, for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Decade, it you know, really tour for 10 years. It, well, and then, you know, look at look at Queen, for example. Queen has the biopic come out and it does really well. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, they're doing like a two year tour and selling out absolutely everywhere. How can they not? They're just going crazy. I mean, of music. course you have to. Yes. So anyways, way off topic I apologize guys so um, one of my big questions and I had to write it down so that I remember to ask but with all of the LED stuff we have now LED video screens LED light fixtures LED uh, ellipsoidals LED pars LED moving lights LED everything um, first of all are you correcting to tungsten still or are you correcting to something much cooler than tungsten well, I can tell you that because of the, the existence of the screens in the shot, so that you want to see those screens looking somewhat accurate color-wise on, on TV, we are then letting the screens drive our color temperature. So most people are going somewhere around 4,300. The reason for that is because it's not quite as warm as 32. It's some place in the middle where people still look somewhat uh, rich and, uh, and skin tones look healthy to the live audience, right. and yet it's not so far off from what the screens are. You can actually bring the screens down to 5,600. That discrepancy does not make them look that that bad compared to the skin tones at 4,300. Okay. You can bring a, uh, an LED screen down to 4,300. Below that, it starts looking extremely orange in the room. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, okay. yes, you can do it. I've done it once or twice, and it looks so weird. It looks great on camera, weird in the room. And so you make those so you're decisions. correcting somewhere around, somewhere between like, you know, 5,500 and, and 3,200. So yes. around 4,200, 4,300. Yes. What if there's no LED screens, but there are LED fixtures? Probably those fixtures live better at, at you know, in the 4,300 range than they Agreed. do at 3,200. Oh, so that really is the sort of area yes. you're shooting for now. I do a lot of shows that are done in theaters that have a lot of existing tungsten equipment. Right. Uh, let's say it's a comedy special. So your, your needs are great, but not as complicated as a, as a big concert. Okay. I'll just do the show to 4,300. I'm to 3,200 if, yeah. if there aren't any screens. Well, because that's 70% of your lighting rig. And that's right. I have to color correct just makes all sense. of those yeah. conventional lights. True. So, so one, uh, more, one more question about LED lighting for sure. I mean, when you photograph LED lighting, uh, an LED blue. Hang on. It, I, haven't, I haven't gotten off of color temperature yet here. I'm still on color temperature. So um, does uh, lighting to 4300, does that create any challenges like skin tones or um, are there any new wrinkles in that that would be very different than like 3200, for example? Well, you're dealing with all the other colors that are in the spectrum. The camera needs to see the blues. The camera needs to see the reds. So when you're at 4300, you're kind of in the middle and you're, you know, maybe not as rich in the blues as you would like to be, but you're also not distorting the blues as much as they right. might be. Same thing on the red end of the spectrum. So um, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. It's becoming the sweet spot right now in television, especially with the advanced technology of the um, current cameras. Like 4,300 Kelvin. It's becoming, I believe, I find most of our shows were key lighting at 43. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even know that. And huh. it still looks fairly natural in the room to the Who live knew? audience. Yeah, because it, especially these corporate shows that are also becoming widely broadcasted, they want it, the client, the corporate client wants it to look great in the room, yeah. but also you're broadcasting to you know, two billion people and yeah. they want it to look good for cameras. So we're finding that that 4,300, especially with LEDs and um, LED backdrops, because most likely you're going to have an LED wall in the back. Yeah. You're, that 4,300 Calvin is just going to be that sweet spot. Yeah. And again, I mean, it's interesting. I, I did not know that we'd made that shift and it's all based on the new technology. Mm -hmm. um, so the other thing about LED fixtures, and you could probably tell me in a much more technical way what's going on, but in colors, like reds seem different, blues seem different, everything, you can tell it's color coming out of an LED fixture versus coming off, off of a, either a discharge lamp or a tungsten lamp or whatever. Yeah, that's what um, I was going to say. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Henry, okay. do you want to finish the no, question? Go then go, go ahead, because no, 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 I've been no, talking no. a lot. No, no, go ahead. Um, so is there any compensating for that? Like, are we compensating for the fact that color just looks different when it's coming out of a, uh, 
you know, an you know, LED be, fixture. We absolutely are. It's just all about the spectrum. You know, the, the LED blue is so heavy in the blue side of the spectrum and there's nothing else. And it is just making the, uh, the image sensors in the cameras go a little wonky. Yeah. They can't process it as cleanly. So yes, we uh, definitely bring those, uh, those colors down, add white to it somehow wash it out a little bit so that, yes, it's not quite as rich and pure blue. I mean, it's bluer than anything that you can get even out of an, an arc source. Lamp. Yeah. Yeah. So d did you want to add on to that? Yeah. Henry? So I'm just, I'm kind of curious. So, you know, there's, there's a number of things that you deal with with LED lighting, right? So you have refresh rate. Highly you, important. Right. Yes. So you, you have refresh rate. Mm -hmm. You have um, obviously color because, you know, like I do photography and when you shoot LEDs, through just a, a digital SLR, it's your eye perceives it one way, the camera perceives it another way. Yeah. But also, you know, I'm curious to know really, you know, camera technology is advancing, I think, faster than LED lighting is these days, right? And the I sensors agree. are all changing. Um, so how do you compensate, you know, like 4K cameras now? I think I saw the first 6K cameras. Yep. How, how do you compensate for all of that? Because obviously you, you're getting color shift, you get all kinds of bizarre stuff based on the cameras, right? Right, I do also have to believe that your camera shader is gonna be your next best friend, especially as a lighting designer, because what you are putting out to that camera, you're only as good as your camera shader. And yes, there are some, um, there are some shows that are shooting raw, like just complete everything, and then they also change it in post. So what you think are blue is not blue. It's going to be a completely different color that they dictate after yes. shooting, which as a designer and programmer, that gets really frustrating because what you think is going to be this look mm -hmm. is shifting in post where we don't have a say anymore. That's right. That's yeah. right. And you know the cameras still. The, the cameras, yes. Every year they're getting more able to handle those, you know, those extremes in the spectrum. But it's ultimately the shader, the video controller, who's making those changes so that the blues aren't as blue. But when they make that change, it's a global change. Everything in the picture changes. It's not like going into post-production and picking one blue and saying I'm going to change that blue for the entire movie you can't do that in a live television shoot. When they change that blue, they're changing everything as it looks on that screen. Right. So you really have to think about the compromises that you're making when you do things like that. Guys, unfortunately, Tiffany has a commitment here that she has to run out to. And fortunately for all of us, we have uh, Mr. Bob Barnhart here to, uh, nope. to, to share the microphone with us. She'll be signing autographs out at the <laughs> registration desk if, uh, if you're interested. But I'm leaving you in great hands. Tiffany, you thank you so much thank for diving so much in for on a moment's me. notice. Jeff, and, and we'd love to actually get you on our podcast again and talk yes. to you a whole bunch you more. Where to so find me. She's going to be at so the live for broadcast stage later oh, yeah. today. Oh, Four there to you go. Right. Jeff Ravitz, the self-promoter. There you go. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you so much. And now we welcome Bob. The world famous. Hi, Bob. Oh, Hi, Bob. He can't hear us yet. Hi, Bob. There we go. Bob, I'm Marcel. Hi, this Marcel. is Henry. We are officially the geezers of gear. Oh, look at that. And uh, this gentleman over here to my left is, uh, is Jeff Ravitz. You Jeff may have Ravitz. met him. You might know him. So um, we were actually just... We were we were just talking about LED fixtures okay. and LED walls and uh, the fact that you're now correcting to 4300 for the most part, or most people are. Would you agree with that? Uh, I wouldn't lock in on 4300. I don't mean to contradict anybody. Yeah. Um, it's okay to be controversial on the podcast. It's all, all right. right. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> Bob, so, if you could, too, stay relatively close because uh, we've got a noise gate because of how that, noisy it is in here. Like so. I like the microphone. Yeah. Okay, be friends with the you microphone. You got it. That's very, very So um, I don't... Uh, we pick a color temperature based on something, of course. Yeah. And let's say if I was in an all LED set, yeah, then I might agree with you. Yeah. Now, the higher I go in my color temperature, let's just say closer to 5600. Yeah. An LED screen is natively made at a 5600 color temperature. Yeah. So if I were to shoot at 3200 color temperature, I'm gonna they're gonna have to color correct that screen, which is gonna make the screen darker. Yeah. Now for 99% of TV, the screen runs at 5%, so that doesn't hurt you at all. Yeah. Uh, but of course, the content makers, or even you know, the content makers mainly, you know, they want their content to look the way they designed it. So um, I I would argue that they'd probably rather be closer to 5,000. But um, again, if if the screen's not the only thing in the show, then I look for the thing I don't have control over, and that's what dictates 
my my white, if you will. So we're talking color temperature of a fourth, 4200, whatever that you're, what we're referring to is right. what it looks like white on, on camera. So let's just say um, for some bizarre reason, we're in a Russian palace with candles everywhere and everything's gold leaf yep. and there's an LED screen. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. I'm going to run my color. That sounds television. a bit challenging, <laughs> actually. Yes, right. So tell us about but that. But really product. cool. Yeah. 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 What show is so that? I'm going to run that color temperature really low because if uh, you realize uh, how a color uh, camera color renders, um, wherever you put white, that area of the color spectrum expands out. It's easier to explain with a Japanese fan, which I actually have here around my bag, but I don't believe it's going to work on this podcast. Right. Um, so I want to get into that warm range where I can see a lot of different levels of ambers and reds and yellows um, because I'm. I have a part I can't control, which is this Russian palace. Well, let's go outside during the day. Now I've got a 5600 source that I don't, also don't have control of. Right. The sun. Yes. right. So I'm going to push my key light much closer to that because it's another thing I don't have control over. So the first thing I look for is what don't I have control over and what's my weakest link? So instead of LED, and I don't mean to change the subject, if it were a projection screen, mm -hmm. which can be weaker, yeah. right? I'm going to have to look at that and say, I have to set my light level at that projection screen level but also if i have to overcorrect this projection screen to get it down to like a low color temperature i'm going to be killing the output yeah so right that projection screen, i'm going to raise that color temperature up so interesting I, was that too complicated are you with them jeff i totally totally yeah. yes yes of course so the, the other obvious challenge i think especially lately now that you've gone to shooting 8k quite often probably is flicker on LEDs because LEDs I think have gotten to a point where they've controlled flicker on 4K, but on 8K we've got it back, haven't we? I haven't. Have you shot? I haven't I, shot in 8K. I, no, I haven't shot in 8K oh, either. Okay. I know that I know that we've had some 6K cameras out on shoots that yeah. they're shooting really for 4K delivery. But okay. But okay. Yeah, absolutely what you're saying. I mean, it, it's getting better for two reasons. I haven't shot in 8K, but the flicker is getting better for two reasons. One is. Um, most of the LED products are newer. The older yes. LED product didn't have a frequency adjuster on it, right? Or whether it was in the software and the mechanics yeah. of the actual unit. So that's gotten better. Um, I could see AK being a problem. Obviously, what we need to do is cycle at the same power cycle that the screen's cycling at. So in the U.S., it's anything that cycles in a division of 60. I don't yeah, want right. to do it. So it's just got to be able to do that. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it's a flicker is a pain in the... Mm -hmm. But yeah. as the quality of the lights is getting better, you get better drivers, yeah. you know, more, you, you need more consistent power. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, well, yeah, we're not talking like, and we happen to have color kinetics right across the aisle here where we're recording this podcast from, but uh, the early color blasts, I think were wreaking havoc. Yeah. Uh, early color blasts, LED tape, early LED, LED tape, tape was yep. horrific. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, and then new, new cameras came out, uh, not to name the company and, uh, they did not allow a, a way to adjust for it within the camera. Oh. And the way it was handling a flicker rate on its own didn't have adjustability in it. So now we're starting to change shutter speeds, and now another product flickering, when the other product oh, wasn't flickering, geez. now it's going to match up. Now that finally got solved by that major camera manufacturer yeah. with an upgrade to each camera, and so that problem, for the most part, has gone away. So, but when you do say things like, oh, 8K cameras are coming on, I'm like, oh, really? That's we're not even broadcasting in 4K yet. We're shooting in 4K, but we're not really broadcasting. Really? Most people don't receive a broadcast, uh, a 4K broadcast home by their you know, uh, TV provider. Right. Yet. But yeah. finally, about the LEDs uh, flicker, uh, the manufacturers also can build in adjustability to those. Right, yeah. And that doesn't change everything else in the picture. It just yeah. changes that light. Right. That's what we want. Right, today. so yeah, you can just change the frequency. Yes, because yeah. if a show decides to run their shutter speed, to achieve some sort of effect, you don't want your LED light to be driving a different decision. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, aside from all of the LED technology, well, first of all, I mean, are you, either of you guys still using primarily like a VL5 as a wash light? Uh, I would say, I, I, so Miss Universe Thailand last year, yeah. I used uh, 500 VL5s. Okay. I would tell you I didn't use it as a wash light as much as I used it as scenery. Okay. Um, but you, know, you can't beat that light. Yeah. That light was made a very long time of ago. Of course, And yeah. it's still standing up, still a small, white, yeah. beautiful face. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if you use 600 of them, you have 600 different colors at once, which is really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very colorful look. Yeah, that's funny. And I can't say that I'm using the VL5 that much. I like the light. I don't necessarily like the color mechanism. But yeah. I do like the light. But no, I use 
what, whatever really is available in the vendor that I'm working with. Well, I with. know for the longest time, like a lot of the award shows and stuff, were still dominated by VL5s, by even artisan consoles for the longest time. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, there was a comfort level, obviously. There was, you know, just knowing what my show is going to look like if I use this product, knowing it's going to work, knowing all of these things, you know, obviously on a live event the size of like a, you know, a Grammys or something like that. It's a big issue, right? Knowing it, exactly what you're going to expect no, no, to see. No, absolutely. I mean, the VL5 was a great light, and uh, it, it's primarily now, I would say, it's eye candy. Yeah. Uh, with all due respect to the light, it's a great light, but yeah. it's, it's eye candy. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not bright enough to keep it's up with everything else color, anymore. color systems, you know, yeah, yeah, consistent. Uh, yeah. Well, it's funny that both uh, Verilite and High End now have taken that, that sort of blade, fan yeah, blade color fan, system. Yeah. yeah. Mm and used it as an effect. Yeah, exactly. So they're using it as eye candy, not yeah. as the primary color yeah. system in the fixtures. Yeah. So it's, it's a recognizable look. It's, it's it really funny, is. isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes. It, it, but it zooms now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. Uh, you know, have you guys seen any technology out here that you're, like, immediately going, oh, my God, thank God, finally. Gotta you know, and it. I know, Jeff, yeah. you've been locked in this. I haven't, yeah, I haven't set foot on the floor. That yes. is crazy. I mean, I, I would tell you, I, I can't say that because I've been busy myself with the Intel yeah. broadcast and then uh, Jeff's seminar. But um, I'm certainly aware of, of new lights that are out here. And I'll tell you one of the things I'm excited about yeah. is um, all these profile fixtures that almost every major manufacturer is making that's LED with shutters. I'll tell you, the, the field is consistent. The color is consistent. Yeah. Um, if they're smaller and lighter, yeah. there's breaking news. Yeah. Finally, smaller and lighter. Yeah, yeah. So from that standpoint, I'm like, you know, yay. Yeah, um, you know I've been using them for the last eight months uh, heavily. Um, yeah. the intensity is really good. The color consistency is really good, and the and the flat field is just amazing. And I like I like to have tools. So yeah. you're telling me I got a Swiss Army knife opposed to a just a spoon. Yeah, so I'm liking all those lights, and almost every manufacturer has one. Well, there's yeah, there's a few that really have jumped out at me that I've seen. You know, the Allure from Martin. We're in their booth. We absolutely should talk about that yeah. for a second, but. Um, but I mean, there, Ayrton has a couple of fixtures that yeah. just from a field and color and and just consistent quality standpoint are just stunning. Obviously, Clay Packy yeah, stays absolutely. right up there at the top I mean, all the no, time. Arrington has just raised a bar. Yes. Not to over talk about a company that we're not sitting here with, but no, that okay. Diablo light is very small. And yes. Like, yeah, and it's it beautiful. packs a good punch. Yeah. It, you know, everybody's got one little bell. The other one's got one little whistle. Yeah. Um, the 2600 also is a very nice fixture. The Which VL, one's that? That's Philips VL26. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. 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 Um, yeah, I saw it yesterday. Very bright fixtures and their features are quite good. Yeah. A lot of where our industry is going is definitely towards more compact fixtures with larger punch. What you're saying Crazy. is that, that, that 90-foot throw out of a tiny fixture. That's what a lot of people are looking for these days, yeah, and right? You look, Absolutely. Without, well, who doesn't want to get smaller and lighter with their with sure. their fixtures? Yeah. All they did was go the other way, right? Mm -hmm. um, what about this laser fixture, though? Like, Does this have any purpose for television, this Delos thing? And I don't know. You haven't seen it live yet, but I'm sure you've seen pictures and videos of yes, it and stuff. Yes. It's incredible as far as big air effects and, you know, like they've shown it at the Lenate Airport in Italy uh, with that big fan look up into the sky, which is bizarre that you'd have a bunch of lasers pointing in the sky right next to an airport. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, there was a televised, I think it was televised, the uh, Post Malone thing, Posty Fest, yeah. had yes, a couple yes. hundred of, of those things on it. I mean, to me, it's like a, it looks like a, a Sharpie on steroids. It's right. a pretty cool looking fixture that might be more than just a use one time special effect. You know, it might actually find a real place. Absolutely, there's a place for, for lights like that, especially yeah. in really large shows where you need to put a little bit of everything, big, yeah. small, yeah. long yeah. throw, shorter throw, seen from a distance, seen from close up, it all fits into yeah. the, into the yeah. big picture. I know, just like if you just look at it generically as a technology, you know, they finally figured out how to harness this technology has been around, I think, yeah. for about eight years. Yeah. But they finally figured out how to harness it and get it in a light. So, yeah. Um, well, and a, a, com a, a complete package that's replaceable at a pretty reasonable, like I've heard retail price on re replacing the light source in that thing is three grand. You okay. know, that blew me away. I would have thought it was 10 grand or nine right. grand yeah. or something, right. you know, three grand. Right. You know, and it's only a 10,000 hour life. But let's face it, that could be five years, you know, and you got to spend another three grand. Well, there'll be a new light in five years. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it just doesn't seem I, to I be just I think the harnessing of this technology, you look at uh, how long it took us a long time to get a profile or spot fixture in LED. Right? Yeah. 
but they finally figured out how to harness it yeah. and, and grab its focal point. And now this thing is brand new, and you know, hats off to Clay Packy for you know spending all the time and money. But they yeah. are, they're walking down the path, when, the first path, and when you walk down the first path, you get a lot of stickers in your uh, socks, yeah. right? <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of other companies that are going to follow behind them and be able to exponentially jump on of this. Of course. But it's exciting for our end of the industry because as they start to come out with all these new lights that are going to have this technology, yeah. it's going to be really well, fantastic. The disadvantage to most of the others in this particular situation is they, they're not owned by Osram. Exactly. You know, and Osram makes those exactly. lasers. Yeah, exactly. you know, so uh, that's very helpful to have the R&D yeah. and, and manufacturing team of that light source behind you and saying, here, here's a perfect thing to use, you know. So um, one of the things I always like to ask people on our podcast is, um, what is a piece of gear that either one or both of you need but hasn't been invented yet? Oh, wow. I wish. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. What are you wishing for? You can you know, only pick one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, all, it, it's always, you know, brighter, faster, cheaper. Yeah. Smaller, smaller. lighter. Small, yeah. But it seems we've kind of reached a uh, sort of a, not a pinnacle, but we've definitely gotten to a point in, in brighter, you know, more features, more gobos, better color, be more even field. We've gotten to a point, not critical mass, but we've definitely gotten to a pretty damn good point. And what we've seen is manufacturing man manufacturers focusing more on the, um, the other value, like the uh, more efficient setup or, or takedown or, or transit, you know, being able to truck it better. Um, Casing, power consumption, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I can't go pie in the sky and say, you know, make something that defies physics. But yeah. w one of the things we're seeing, I'm liking the smaller, brighter yeah. uh, LED fixtures. Because yep. uh, not only smaller, brighter, but more consistent field, which is huge. Consistent yeah. coloring of that white field, which is huge. But you know what I wouldn't mind seeing? I would love for them to say, hey, every fixture you're looking at can totally handle outside weather. We're getting and, there, and it's not yeah. and it's not exponentially more expensive because of it. You know, well, we've designed so all of our gear to handle weather. The problem that we have with that, and I, I I agree with you, and I say to manufacturers all the time, with these IP65 rated fixtures coming out now, if I owned a rental company, I'd buy all IP65 rated fixtures. The downside is a couple of things. One, they're much harder to do maintenance on because they're harder to get into because they have to be, you know, so screws leak and all kinds of things leak. So to get an IP65 rating, it has to be really solid, tight, hard to get into. Um, it's more expensive, you know, which obviously in our industry, that yeah. is a driver for no, these no, things. No, no, 100 percent. That's why I'm but hoping that, you know, the more that this technology gets developed, it's evolving life, for sure. It'll get cheaper. Yeah. So that it becomes a standard and it's not that much more expensive. Well, I totally agree on the maintenance, but also hopefully because of LED engines and yeah. things like that, we're getting into these lights. Well, less. as far as the getting cheaper. So, I mean, the leader in that field of IP lights used to be a, an Italian company, moving lights anyways, yeah. and now is probably Elation, arguably. I would agree. And so, you know, Elation lights, we all know where they're made. Um, so the cost has come down, and I believe will continue to come down. And they, you know, they own a lot of their own uh, tooling and stuff to create all of this stuff and to test for this mm -hmm. stuff. And so I think they're putting a lot of engineering into that um, that sort of world. So, um, and they understand also that the vendors can't spend the extra money on those lights if half of their of their work is indoors and they're yeah. and passing that, that exactly cost right. along yeah. uh, to the customer. Yeah. But they're closing that gap. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, uh, you know, stuff like, uh, God, I always forget all these names, um, but they're, uh, what's their latest big light? That Pro Proteus? Is the Proteus waterproof though? Pro is the Proteus? Uh, there is a version of it. Yeah, yeah there is. That name. I agree. The naming, though, that's yeah. a whole other podcast. Uh, really, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, and I talked to them about it yesterday. They've got a marketing company that they pay a lot of money to to name those fixtures. And I have to read these promos at the front end of our podcast. <laughs> and when you've got Proteus, Maximus, Glutamus, Thisimus, you know, all of this stuffimus, I get lost every once in a while. Well, and all the companies yeah. can be blamed for this, can't they? Yeah. 
So unfortunately, right now, we're going to start losing Jeff Ravitz because he's got to go back to his uh, uh, event. And Bob, if we can keep you for a couple more minutes, okay. we certainly will. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so we much. Talk about Real Jeff. pleasure. Jeff, thank Thanks, you Jeff. so much for doing this. Uh, Jeff, by the way, everyone, Jeff did this on his lunch break. So, <laughs> and he didn't uh, eat the lunch. It's still sitting in the And the lunch so is still hungry. sitting here. <laughs> eat your sandwich, Jeff. All right, thanks. Jeff, thank thanks. you so much. We appreciate it. Talk to you later. Yep. So, um, Bob, I mean, you're... Uh, uh, your resume is ridiculous. <laughs> yes. I'll, work, I'll work on it. Sorry. Yeah, Thanks. your resume is ridiculous. We noticed a couple typos. No, <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> How's it going? Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, uh, you know, Bob, what haven't you done that you want to do? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, you've done virtually every, uh, you know, live music event show awards show ceremony olympics uh, everything i mean <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. i can't think of a thing you haven't done you know you've just been a guy who's been so busy for so long now yeah it um very fortunate yeah uh, right uh well you're right, obviously doing a lot good of work. right places at a lot of right times yeah um so that's that's lucky. I'm not sure I do good work, but I think attitude, work ethic, and personality have uh, more to go than skill set, maybe. But at the same time, you know, I I think when it comes to this size, the enormity of some of these events you're lighting, security matters. Like yeah. feeling, you know, confident that it's not going to be a shit show, you know, yeah. is kind of important. And they know when they bring in Bob, uh, you know, and there's a couple of other names oh, on no, that of short list. But they know when they bring you in, it's it's going to go well for and, the most part. And I appreciate that. And and you know, no, not being, you know, BSing anybody here. It's our crew. You, know, yeah. you look at any show you've ever been involved in that maybe has been going on for ten years, but you came in on the tenth year for your first time. Yeah. That shows a fast-moving conveyor belt. Right. Because it already knows what it's doing. They only ask half the normal questions, right? Mm -hmm. All the other departments. And you step in, you're like, holy! How did you guys all know this was going to happen? Yeah. So you take something like the Super Bowl. I've done 21, but I don't think there's anybody on our crew that's done less than 12. Jesus. And, and so what happens is the show is able to evolve and get a little bit better each time because we, we didn't bust the envelope on the last one. Yeah. And we know, okay, you know what? We can actually do a little bit more over here. What if we try and do that? And we, yeah. we, we keep exploding this envelope to its full inflation, but it's only because of experience that it doesn't bust. So when we talk about the Super Bowl, for example, like we, we, uh, we talked um, last week with uh, Nick from Fireplay. Uh -huh. And, yeah. um, you know, Nick Super talked about doing uh, Justin Timberlake. Yeah. So how much freedom does he get when you are the Super Bowl LD? Uh, Nick and his guys, he brought a couple guys with him. Uh, Nick is welcome to say anything, do anything he wants as long as he does it in his hotel room. <laughs> um, now you know it, it is a hard game for everybody to play, yeah. whether it's a Super Bowl or I get sent off to maybe, you know, make a uh, let's say Justin Timberlake live concert yep. and trying to adjust uh, Nick's light to look correct into a camera and not change the lighting but make it look the same it does on camera as it would have to your live eye right. yesterday yeah and so it's a dance yeah and uh, Nick is very good at the dance uh, honestly I'm be totally honest I'm not sure what he said but I felt like Nick said hello in the morning Nice job in the afternoon and goodbye at night. They, yeah. Those guys were so seamless working with us. Yeah. And they were so good about if Justin wanted to talk lighting, they were like, Justin, that's Bob. Go talk to him. Yeah. Instead of like, talk to me and then I'll talk to him. Yeah. I mean, they, those guys played. That's just their so attitude. Well, yeah. But yeah. It's so great. There's it's so no ego. There's no. Absolutely right. Whereas in our industry, let's face it, that's not always the not, case. Not, not remotely the case. And, you know, the, the nice thing about that, that kind of approach is when Nick does come to you and says something, you're like, well, this must be pretty important. Yeah. Because he wasn't saying, you know, how about light blue instead of medium blue? You yeah. Know, like, are you kidding? Right? So that that's where, like, a smart Nick type of person actually really gets kind of what they want. Yeah. And, and ideally, we're on the same page, and we've had early conversations. But that is a difficult game to play, and it, it, it makes my job harder in a way yeah. if they're not helping. Nick's right. super helpful. If you're not helping, then you're like a rash. I'm trying yeah. to like the halftime show, and I have a rash. Well, so... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so one of the obvious challenges with the Super Bowl show, and I, I was involved in a halftime show 100 years ago, and I won't tell you which one it was because it was a disaster. <laughs> but um, uh, the, the fact that you got like three minutes to get the stage in and three minutes to get it out or whatever the seven, time is yeah, nowadays, and yeah. And, I mean, that alone is such a challenge but one of the challenges like i worked for a lighting manufacturer and we supplied a whole bunch of lighting for it and at one point during programming 
the sprinklers came on on the field with a bunch of non-waterproof <laughs> light fixtures all over the field, right? And, yeah. you know, somebody from the crew went and went, hey, you got to shut these things off. And he yeah. was like, F you. Yeah. Get, yeah, off yeah. Get off my grass. Get off my lawn, sir. Yeah. <laughs> you know? he had the, the guy that's in charge of the NFL field, George Toma, which yeah. would have been there when you yeah. because he's done every single half time, or every single Super Bowl. Everyone. He always says, yeah, he's done every single one. He says, Seriously? grass wow. grows by the inch and it's killed by the foot. Get off my lawn. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. That's, that's good. <laughs> Well, and he's kind of like the holy grail, right? Absolutely. Like he's the boss. He has his own press conference. During the press conference for serious? the players, he has his own press oh conference. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is that, crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of things. Obviously, you sequentially done Super Bowls, right? But, you know, so we got the Super Bowl coming up, what, in February again, yes. right? You'll yeah. probably do that. I'm again. working on it right now. So that wraps up. Yeah. And then the conversations for the next one start probably the day after that, right? Um, uh, legitimate conversations start in April. We go survey the building right. that the next Super Bowl is going to be in. Just the, the halftime team, obviously, talent won't be selected till like August okay. or September. So we go look at the building and look at what can it do, what can it do, what, you know, where is it going to help us, where is it going to hurt us. Um, and then we talk about, well, okay, what could we do in this building? What could we, what haven't we done that we wanted to do or whatever? Before you have a set design, right? Oh, long before you have talent or a set design, long okay. before. But the building is still the... The venue is still the venue. So if it's got a partial roof, so we're going to Miami this year. Mm -hmm. I've done three half times there. This is going to be my fourth one. It now has a canopy yes. that covers the seats that has rigging capabilities. So we can finally hang some trusses. So I know I'm going to put some trusses up there because I need those tools. Right. I have tools I can backlight the stage. I can backlight or front light the field cast, but use shutters and cut them off the stage. Mm -hmm. If I want to light the audience, uh, the actual stands audience, I have the ability to do that in this type of scene now, which I wouldn't have had before. So I know that's what the building can do. All right. We also look at it, could it fly somebody, or could we do this? No, it can't. So when we meet with talent later in the year, we can go like, okay, building can't do that. But yeah. It can't do this. So at some point, you go into a meeting. It's the meeting because they've chosen the design and the talent. And then there's some kind of unveiling of the set. I'm, you know, the, the talent is the talent. They're very flexible. But the set, like if you look at the Justin Timberlake thing, that, that thing was all over the place, right? It was just, it was very interesting how he walked around the entire venue yeah. and how you had to light that. That was really quite mind-blowing the way that happened. But I would agree. Do you ever have like an oh shit moment where you go, oh shit, this is going to be a real challenge, right? I mean, uh, Yeah, I, I honestly can't think of one Super Bowl halftime show where I haven't had that moment about one subject or two. Right. But we <laughs> met with uh, Justin uh, Timberlake in New York with, with Nick and his team. Mm -hmm. um, we all sat down, we introduced ourselves, you know, like I'm the lighting designer of a halftime show. Right. understanding what Nick's role is and everybody else. And we have Bruce Rogers, our set designer. And, you know, they've obviously watched a lot of halftime shows by that point in time. So mm -hmm. they, they come to us in that meeting with an opinion. We obviously have an opinion. Um, we have no desire to tell them how to stage the show, put it, because we want the show to be different every time. And it's that unique performer and their team that make it, you know, mm -hmm. their own. So Justin had an idea right away. Uh, but I want to start in a nightclub, maybe up at the uh, like club level up high and then get down onto the field and I'm going to go over like five stages. I'm going to go over both end zones and mm -hmm. we're like, okay. That was crazy. So I immediately said, and Nick will tell you the story too because he was with me. I said, we need to go to Minneapolis right away and need you to understand that you're in a stadium and you have 12 and a half minutes. He goes, I do stadium tours all the time. Like, you know, run around the yeah. whole stadium, <laughs> stadium and you've got two hours. So Nick and his team and I met uh, the next weekend in Minneapolis, and we went through it and tried to find that nightclub, which we ultimately found right. down on the field level, which made a lot more sense. Um, and then he came out on that ramp, and he went across the Senorita stage, and he went over to his main band stage, and he went down and did a dance number. Then he went over to a suit and tie stage with a band behind yeah. him, and then he went over and did his Prince tribute. At that same time, this, the crew had transformed the main stage into a mirror stage. He went over and did a mirror thing, and then he ran up into the field and took a selfie with the kid, which was 100% unplanned. So Really? Yeah, 100%. Wow. But when... When you tell me you're going to do all that, and it's evolving, it doesn't just come mm -hmm. up in one conversation and, like, here's the show. It's, it's a two, three-month evolution of conversations of what we can and can't do. Yeah. All I could think of is, how am I going to chelate all these different directions? Yeah. Because, you know, when you face the corner of a stadium, that ball spot could be over 500 feet away. That's, That's right. a yeah. hard pickup for a spot operator. And there was even one point where Justin's like, I'm going to do this as I'm on my way to the piano from the suit and tie. And I'm like, if I could ask one favor, instead of going that way, could you go this way? He goes... Why? I said, I absolutely cannot make you look right going that way. He goes, I don't care how I look. I go, I know, but I do. <laughs> Unless you want to scroll on the bottom of the screen saying, 
Justin told Bob he didn't care how he looked, so he went this <laughs> way. Then I'm cool with it. Anything you want to do. But he, he gave in and said, okay, okay, I'll go this way. I'm like, thank you. That's just, fantastic. I, I hear he's one of the most professional, just to get oh off. I hear he's super professional to work with. Really great guy to work with. Yeah. I mean, I've done other jobs with him, but not so intense. Super Bowl is very intense. Right. Yeah. And a very lot of conversations. And I can't give him enough credit that anytime he had a question about any department or anything, he liked to be involved in the conversation. The conversation couldn't honestly be more professional or polite. It was no prima donna or I want or this yeah. has to happen or you guys figure it out. It's nothing like that at all. It when he gets one lighting one too, right? He really like he, does. He really gets it and he, yeah. he and wants he likes a great it. show and he really exactly. cares what the audience sees. Yeah. I, I have a couple of questions. So what's, tell me one of, like I'm sure you've got a lot of memorable Super Bowl moments and I know for halftime shows, you know, one of the ones I loved when you had the hats with the pixels in them. Super Bowl, uh, yeah. That was outrageous. 40, 40 that was, that was insane Mars. where they all became a, yeah. a video screen, basically, yeah. the audience. That was cool. I've been to a bunch of Super Bowls and, you know, gotten the instructions in the yeah, seat cushions right. yeah. on when you're supposed to stand up and hold this thing or yeah. whatever. Um, but what are a couple of your most memorable moments? Well, I... Um I created the whole first minute opening of Super Bowl 51 with Lady Gaga jumping off the roof. So for eight years, I was trying to um, figure out how to use a large amount of drones where the talent could interact with them. I thought it'd be really cool. And I came up with some ideas that never have happened yet. And uh, the technology just wasn't there. Or the, there was no way with price, timing, and logistics of a Super right. Bowl it was going to happen. Um, and then one day, I see this Intel 500 YouTube video where they flew uh, you know, 500 uh, drones in the air and spelled out Intel. And I don't know if, the, if all the podcast listeners are here, but the show tonight, yeah. 6.30, is totally oh, so worth watching. there's another one. I saw it there's last There's one night. more tonight, oh, 6.30. And, yep. you know, I've worked with them twice on two Super Bowls, and they really did a nice job. You'll really get a great idea. What you can't translate very well on TV is a, a drone show as well as you can't yep. drive. But so um, anyway, the uh, short story of a very long story was uh, Intel was interested. And... Um, in late, late December, we finally got greenlit by all everybody. There were more lawyers involved than there were drones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I created this opening with trying to do a, a message of, you know, America, not patri- not necessarily patriotic or unpatriotic, but certainly not political. Mm-hmm. Right. And just a nice message that she could start the show off. And um, so I put some music together, not literally music, but the lyrics out of music, and her music director blended it all together to make one song. Yep. And, um, you know, so I did that. So that's a pretty memorable moment for me because I pitched that entire thing, came up with all the, put it all together. Yeah. And, oh, uh, that was and a, that was a cool off. moment anyway. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good beginning. Lady Gaga was amazing. And I did the, the Lantern Festival this last year in the middle of the show where it spelled out One Love. Yeah. Which is also a concept I'd been working on for about nine months. Also so. very cool. I mean, so you're looking for those big looks that incorporate the audience and stuff, right? I lo- oh, yeah. We, we love looks that incorporate the audience. Yeah. Absolutely no question. You know, Lady Gaga at the piano doing Million Reasons. Uh, we did a very inexpensive audience stunt and just asked everybody to turn the flashlight on on their phone. Yeah. And you give them a lot of instructions during commercial breaks and yep. things like that on, you know, on videos that we make. Yeah. But um, you get it like 40% participation. But if you look at it, you're like, that's 40%. It's a lot of people. It's, it, it's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. I mean, for me, you know, a couple other ones, Michael Jackson obviously course, was yeah. in, insanely amazing. Obviously, Whitney Houston doing the national anthem. That was that, a moment I'll never a funny, forget. There's a funny lighting story about that. Please. The NFL... Didn't review that. Didn't view the halftime show as importantly as they do now. Yeah, it's come a long way in the respect of the NFL and what you guys need to make a good-looking show. Mm-hmm. To their credit, they're putting on a giant football game. Yeah. Um, but Whitney Houston came in and rehearsed. I did that halftime show. Whitney Houston came in and rehearsed uh, the national anthem. She looked at the footage. She goes, "I don't look good." She was in stadium light. Yeah. Because we didn't turn the stadium lights off. Then they take 15 minutes to come back on. Now with the LED ones, yeah. we, we just did it this last year where we got very dramatic with the national anthem. Yeah. So the NFL came and said. Is there anything you can do? I said, yeah, you can give me my two follow spots I've been asking for on the 50-yard line at 22 degrees yeah. mm-hmm. at the right angle, and I can fix this. They're like, you can have it. Wow. And ever since then, they've gotten the importance of, like, because they used to give us follow spots on, like, the 20-yard line left and right. Yeah, right. You know, it's just shadow masters. Yeah. you got no shadows everywhere. Well, I'm, I'm not a big Whitney Houston fan or anything. I really don't like her that much to be honest or didn't sorry <laughs> didn't god rest her soul um, still, still no, angry but, still angry <laughs> but you know there's been a lot of incredible national anthem performances yeah, absolutely. to me that just blew them all yeah. away like i get goosebumps thinking about yeah. it now how great that performance yeah, it, was it really was it it was just it was insanely very unique. good yeah so you know i mean there's just loads of great moments so i mean I, yeah prince prince in the rain was oh that was insane, was insane. 
Well, and obviously we were talking about it before you got here, the, uh, the wardrobe malfunction. Of yes, I, no, I did not do that. You did not let Oh, you didn't do that one. That was a different designer. Yes, I did oh, not do wow. that. Oh, wow. Because I was going to ask, did you light it or go dark? <laughs> you know, which direction well, do you, you go on Actually, if one? you look at the queue, instantaneously after it happened, there was a queue. So yeah. to say it wasn't planned would be Yeah, hard to no, that was obviously quite <laughs> planned. <laughs> you know, it was, it was also well-dressed. Yeah. You know, the, the part under the yes. clothing yeah. was well-dressed. Yeah. Oh, no, it's always wear those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wasn't an accident. Well, no. Bob, we appreciate very much you taking some time to come and talk to us. I mean, just, you know, way over our heads. Henry and I have never been. We're both rock and roll automated lighting guys, basically. I have been for 30 years. And I just have one question left, though. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been dying to ask just a big LD, right? So there you go. So over the the years. (laughs) Sorry, I'll talk into the mic. So, you know, you've designed with VL5s, a very simple light, low DMX channel count. Yeah. You did a lot of creative things with that. Yeah. You know, VL6, if you look at that, very yeah, yeah. simple light, Intellibeam, yeah. cyber yeah. lights, right? Mm-hmm. Over the years, the channel counts have just gotten nuts. Mm-hmm. You've stuffed so much stuff into lights, shutters and CTO yeah. and CTB and, yeah. and everything else. Do you find yourself, and, and it's kind of funny, these lights are so feature-laden that if you have to program a show on the fly and get it, get it out really quickly, I see that as really a challenge because you can never really utilize everything that's in that light. Do yep. you find yourself yearning for just kind of like a, a 15 channel DMX light again that's just really simple that allows you to be more creative, almost like running a you know a, a 120K rig, yeah. for lack of a better term, versus just absolutely letting it all fly out of the you know the front of a fixture in every sure. set. Do you find yourself yearning for to step well, back a little bit and be a little simpler? I would say I look at it, um, I look at it a little differently. So I'm, I'm gonna start with an example. I'm about to go do Miss Universe in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I have three total fixture types on the show. I'm using a VL2600. Okay. I'm using a GOP uh, icon. Okay. I'm sorry, PRG icon uh, beam. Mm-hmm. And I'm using a Solaris strobe. Not trying to plug anybody. Everybody makes that light, if you will. Sure. Right? Whether it's whichever company. Um, I only need those three fixtures. I, I look at most of what I do. Most of the fixtures I choose are workhorse fixtures. And let me explain there are definitely beam lights like a, like a Sharpie I use mm-hmm. on the balcony rail at the Super Bowl because it's small and it's hidden and the NFL doesn't hate it and all I need to do is make a beam. But that's right. all it does. Otherwise, I don't, you don't see a lot of Sharpies on my show because it only does one thing. So I look at these lights that you're talking about that do have 8 million universes mm-hmm. in its own light mm-hmm. as a Swiss Army knife. And when you use a Swiss Army knife, you don't take out the fork, the spoon, the knife, and the corkscrew all at the same time. Right. You just use what you want that's the right tool to use. Very well time. said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like having workhorses that can have shutters, have irises, and colors, have gobos, and flat fields. You, what you won't see on most of my shows, I stopped using about five years ago, you'll hardly ever see me use a wash light. Because I find a wash light only does one thing. And let's just say lights cost $250 each to rent, just right. for easy numbers. And I can afford a light every six feet. I'd rather put a Swiss Army knife every six feet on my electrics mm-hmm. than a Swiss Army knife and a spoon. And a Swiss Army knife and a spoon. So you're using a lot more hybrid fixtures then? I, I, don't, I don't consider, the, like, this is what I'm loving about these new LED flat field profiles. They're not really hybrids, but you can put a piece of frost in it, right? Put the frost in it, and the ring of the light goes away. So mm-hmm. now it's your wash light, but I can even bring a little shutter in with that and knock some of the loose lumens that are going off on one side of that, right? So oh, I could wash a wall, but I could kind of make it a little squarer, not perfectly, yeah. of course, but I can get rid of some of the loose lumens that are spreading mm-hmm. out. So I'm looking at it like here's a great Swiss Army knife that I'm putting up in the air. I'm not looking to use every feature every time on every light, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I'm missing any feature. I feel like I've got all these different tools at my hand, and also by keeping my fixture different count down, my lighting directors who are on the console, but we refer to them as lighting directors because they're very creative, um, it's faster for them. Okay. I'm yeah. not giving them seven different types of fixtures to do things with. So then you have the trademark looks that you want, so you're going to eat the peas with the Swiss Army knife spoon. Exactly <laughs> right. Those with the fork. The, the, exactly. And, yeah. and there you go. That's interesting. Yeah. I've always yeah. wanted to know. You know? Well, yeah. it also That's seems like it would be no, good for Swiss budgets, <laughs> too, you know, because you're not asking for 12 different light yeah. fixtures you know yeah I, I think i think it does help but it, it also helps out the the rental companies yeah when you're you're not asking for you know a, a garbage can or a garage sale of yeah uh, yeah, stuff. yeah yeah you know um, salad, I, I think yeah. the shows i think the shows are cleaner for me too yeah um, i don't i don't like to look into an eclectic uh, lighting rig hmm. unless there's a reason for it exactly yeah cool great 
Well, thank, thank you. you so Great much. To meet you. And very nice to meet you as well. And uh, we could probably do 10 sessions with Bob. We <laughs> absolutely we milk could. milk his brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm warning you, Bob, there's music about to start. Oh, so this me this is the goodbye music right. at the Grammys when uh, Kanye's still Play standing there talking. You're playing me off. All you have to do is say leave. We're playing <laughs> you off, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Sweet, sweet.